All right. Hi, everyone. It is Marilyn Loria. I'm so excited. Okay, we got some nice feedback because I'm live on Facebook. I'm so excited for today's guest. I cannot wait to talk to you about her and tell you about her. And I have a personal story about her as well. Um, mm -hmm. For those of you listening on the podcast, uh, you can go to my Facebook page and also watch this and this will be load this up onto YouTube as well. So today we, I am interviewing Sienna Smith and I'm gonna give you my own experience of her first. Um, and then we're gonna talk more about what she does and how incredible she is. She um, is one of the teachers in Membership for Your Soul. She did an incredible class on breath work and her title of her class is Breathing Can Change Your Life, which is so true. So when I moved to Fairfax, I was a big yogi uh, person in LA and I, I tried to do different certification programs and I was one of those power yoga people and I was in a yoga studio where I would do like, they would do handstands with every, you know, every vinyasa. And um, I went to Sienna's studio here in my neighborhood and I started taking the classes there and it was a little bit more, which I think this is the way everybody should do yoga, by the way. And I think anybody who wants to do yoga should go to Sienna. And I'm just going to tell you that right now. So I went into the classes and they were a little bit more, they, it's not that they're slower place, they're deeper, they're more intentional. Sienna will tell you more than me. They're more, um, they're just so about alignment, but in a really great way where it's not like you're, you're moving in this really incredible way where you're getting so deep into your body. It's the only way people I think should do yoga because people get um, hurt in yoga when they're not being properly taught on how to get into a pose. So I started taking the classes and I was like, this is really fascinating and interesting because I'm learning how to slow down and really get into my body in a way that I've never gotten into my body. And I decided to get certified by Sienna and Joe was the other teacher. And I called Sienna up and I was like, look, I don't really like groups. Let's talk about this first. And she was so great because she was able to answer my questions on that call. I think it's really important to be in a safe environment. I think you have to be with a group teacher who knows how to create safety and boundaries. And I could tell right away from talking to her that she was knowledgeable, she was an expert, but she also knew how to command a room. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I went in and there were like 22 of us and it was a life changing experience for me. And it was so needed for me in my life at that point, because I just moved to a place I didn't know anyone. My father passed away. It was just healing on so many aspects. And Sienna and I, I think she'll agree in the beginning, we we're like, like this with each other, not sure. And then as we got to know each other, I had such an incredible respect for her. And then I started taking her classes because I didn't take her classes because they were crowded and stuff. And I started taking her class. I have never been taught or gone through a class with a yoga teacher like her. It, it's so amazing how she takes you through the different poses and has you arrive at the peak pose. And you're like, I, I remember the moment and, and I'm gonna turn it over to her in a second. I wanna tell you a tiny bit about her, but I wanted to share this personal story. I remember the moment where I was like, oh my goodness, like, you, cause you have to journal and it's like, what did you experience? And I was like, I have more space in my body. And it was like, I fell into my body in a way that I had never experienced before. So I feel super mm. grateful that I got to mm. be with you, Sienna. So I want to read yeah. your bio so everybody gets to know you mm. and then we'll go into an interview. But I did want to tell my personal story of you Thank and then you. whatever you want to say to that is important to me. So she's a certified yoga therapist. For those of you, I know I have a lot of audience in like I'm mid fifties and you really have to take care of your body. And Sienna's gonna talk a bit about this. And I know she does virtual classes. And if you're in the Marin area, I would definitely say if you're suffering with any kind of injuries, she's the person to see. She's a physical therapist aide. She's also a host of the Breathe Better podcast. And she's a wellness coach for 22 years. She, she is amazing at mantras, like everything. Um, she teaches a dynamic alignment-based activating yoga infused with yoga postures, physical therapy techniques, and breath work. Teaching for 22 years, she directs healing, strengthening, mobilizing, and aligning the body through intelligent yoga that helps students feel fluid, youthful, energized, and balanced. She also teaches a six-week breathing course designed to optimize your health and well-being on every level. And you can find more out about her at siennasmith.com. And if you're listening on the podcast, we'll make sure that this is in the show notes. And I will also add it to the Facebook uh, post after we're done. Hi, Sienna. 
Hi, Marilyn. So wonderful to be here. And thank you all for tuning in today. Super jazzed to talk with you. Yeah. So I want really quickly for you to tell us a little bit of your story about how you came to yoga and what it was like for you, like how you discovered it and decided like this is your path. Mm, thank you. Well, most people go to yoga for the physical aspect. So I was in my 20s and I already had a physical practice. I was a dancer. I loved to do step aerobics. I don't know if you remember back in the day, like to Madonna, you do those high steps, right? So I was like really into that. Um, so I actually went to yoga at the YMCA when I was about 25. And it was an Iyengar teacher, interestingly enough. And he put us in child's pose for like five minutes. And I was like, what the heck is this? This is yoga. This isn't what I thought I was signed up for, but I stayed. And at the end of those five minutes, I was in tears. I was crying. And so when I thought I went there was for physical healing. And what I got was emotional and spiritual healing. Um, what awakened in me was the power of yoga and breath work to tap into a level beyond my physical body and beyond my limited mind. Um, it penetrated those layers so quickly, in part because I feel like I was really ready. I had just graduated college from a grueling biology pre-medical degree that I got. I wasn't even a science person, and I decided to major in it pre-med and got the degree. So I was exhausted, and I was just literally, um, you know, so fatigued. So I was at a point where beautiful energy and information could could come to me and I didn't have the wherewithal to push it away. So it landed in me. And from that point on, I was on a yoga journey, no doubt. Um, so I came to it from the emotional and the spiritual aspect. And that's how I got into yoga. Not until later did I actually get into the alignment-based aspect of yoga. Um, and that was because I was in a car accident where I had very severe whiplash. And then six years later, I got the whiplash again, um, mm -hmm. even worse. So by that time, my neck was pretty messed up and I needed more alignment. I needed a way to really get in there and heal myself because it was just too expensive to go to the chiropractor and the acupuncturist and the herbalist and then this and then that. I'm like, wait a minute, I need to heal myself. No doctor, I don't wanna go to the doctor to get fixed every time. I don't wanna go to the chiropractor, this is getting expensive. I need to figure out how to align and heal myself. And so that's when I just all hands in, all hands on deck for this alignment-based yoga. And so then I was able to blend that emotional, spiritual aspect that I learned in the beginning with this amazing alignment technique of Iyengar, Anyasara, Vini yoga, many different traditions that I studied with and blended it together. And then most recently with all the PT work I've been doing um, I was trained as a physical therapy aide. I work in a PT clinic as well. And I have to tell you, like all the pieces now just fit so well and they all make so much sense to me in a way that never has before. So I mean, that's really like post Maryland even. So post yeah. you adding this PT work is a whole nother addition that I've added to my practice and then I've added to my classes. That's been really exciting for me. Yeah, and what's interesting to me, Sienna, if follow her on Facebook as well, because she writes these really incredible posts, Facebook posts. And I remember the post that you wrote about the woman who came in who was all like the type, type A personality, for lack of a better definition. Um, you know, go, 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 couldn't slow down. And I see a lot of this with because I play a lot of tennis. It's that personality where they get injured and they don't understand that if they did this type of work with someone like you injuries would be less and healing time would be so much faster. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit of, I know we, I want to talk about breath work because it's so important to everything, but I really want to also talk about pe people's mental states shifting to a place where you can heal yourself. And this is an incredible practice that can help you to do that. So mm -hmm. how do you find to like have to shift people to, into that thinking? Okay. So I think what gets in our way the most, speaking of the woman from the PT clinic, she was in her late forties, um, did a hot power flow class for a decade. Um, I feel like that really wrecked her hip because just from reading her intake and she got her entire hip replaced and then 
was in PT. And the only thing she could think about was getting back there. It was mm. a drug. And this is the issue is we get addicted to things. So type A, they get addicted to fast, hot. Mm -hmm. They're usually pitta types, right? They run hot. They want hot. They want fast. They won't feel anything unless they get hit over the head with it. And so what we need to learn how to do is become more sensitive to slow down. So what happens often in our life, an injury comes in, an accident comes in. We, our spirits, I believe, actually call that forth for our, for our own well-being. And those of you who know me, who, who follow me on Facebook, you know, a year ago, I was in a wheelchair. I broke mm -hmm. my foot on one side. I broke my ankle on the other. I could not walk. Why did that happen to me? I felt like I was on my path. Here I am doing everything, you know, I felt going well. And then this happens. So I believe that we call these things in for our awakening, for our next step. No, we don't always need to get in an accident or experience an injury. I really believe that we can be awake and aware enough to prevent those things from happening. I'm sure that you do that, you know, in your course, you help people become really in touch and in tune with what's happening, but this is what yoga can do. And this is what's sorely missed in those hot power flow. That's just go, go, go. How can you slow down enough so that you can feel, really feel yourself and, and get in touch with how your body is right now, not how you want it to be, not how it was in the past, not how you wish it to be in the future, but truly look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is how I am right now. This is how it is. How can I be more loving and accepting of myself right now? And what is this moment meant to teach me? How is this moment meant to redirect me in my life from this freight train I'm on of my ego and other things mm -hmm. and programming to connecting with me and where I'm supposed to go now. If we don't get a chance to drop into this present moment and how we're feeling, how our body's responding, what's coming at us, how are we gonna know where to go? So going to yoga is one of the only times in your life, in your day, that you're gonna have a chance to shut everything off and everything out, get the kids out of the room, get the hubby to the game room, whatever, you with yourself, whether it's in a room full of other yogis or it's on your mat at home on an online class, this is your one chance that you're going to be able to be quiet with yourself and really tune in. When else can you do that? We don't. Yeah. So it's critical that I feel that we use our yoga practice as that sacred time to, to tune in deeply. And the breath is one way that is the truth teller. And this is why I got so into the breath. The breath doesn't lie. The body doesn't lie. The body is always speaking the truth. We just override it. We just numb it. We get distracted. We turn it off. We live up here. But if we can go from here into this beautiful body, this is the safe place to be. This is not safe. <laughs> our head is all over the place. When our, when our, on our head, we're not safe. When we're in our body, we're safe, we're, we're tapped in, we're tuned in, we're, we're awake. So this is what yoga does. And this is what the breath can do as well. So I love that. So um, when I want to go to the breath in a second, but the, the question I want to ask real quick is when you were in the wheelchair and you had that moment, we talked a little bit after this, there was definitely fear that came up for you. Mm -hmm. What was something that you incorporated right away for yourself in order to start the self-healing as you were going through something that was truly scary? I mean, that's a scary yeah. moment. Given my profession, it's even scarier. This is what I exactly. do for a living. This is what I do for a living. Yeah. I'm on my mat for a living. I couldn't even stand. Tadasana, yeah. Tadasana pose was a no-go. No and I, I, I taught the, the day that happened, um, I got home at one in the morning from the ER in a wheelchair, I had to scoot down my, my stairs to get into my condo. And I woke up at 8 a.m. This, this is 
not even seven hours after getting home from, from the ER, both my legs wrapped in gauze, wrapped in big giant padding, my wheelchair sitting right there, my portable commode right next to me because I couldn't go anywhere. I taught that class. Wow. I taught that class and I told everybody I'm here because it's my lifeline. This is what makes me happy, giving, sharing, being together. And I used somebody in the online class, they demonstrated and I taught. And That's I, never, I did not miss a class and I didn't take one pain pill, not even ibuprofen once. Was, was that because you used your breath to help your pain, to ease the pain? Okay, go into breath, that. Breath, focus, meditation knowledge. So I'm a big researcher. And so instantly, right. And I was already researching, interestingly enough for my podcast, I was researching for breath uh, pain management through breathing. I was just researching this before I got hurt. So I had a lot of that fresh in my mind of all these studies that have shown how breath work can help decrease our pain threshold. So pain is a huge topic and I don't want to get too much into it. However, I will say this, what happens when we're in pain, especially if you're in chronic pain. Now I can identify with this because I was in pain every single day for like four months and it was grating. I never knew what it was like to have chronic pain until I experienced that level of pain and have it all the time, night and day. It wears on you like nothing mm. else. It turns you into somebody you don't recognize. And that's the scary part is how any of us that can happen to any of us. So we better have our tools in place and we better be practicing them now because later we're going to need them. And so that's what happened for me. Luckily I had a breath practice. I had a yoga practice. I had a spiritual practice. I had a mantra I had meditation. I had all these things in my back pocket. And I'm telling you, I use them all like it's light of day. I, 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 I resource every single thing I'd ever learned to get through that experience. When you basically lose everything, you know, your physical body, your, your sanity is on the line. Yes. So what I did was I basically had no choice, but to sit there in it, there was nowhere to go. There was no hiding. It was almost like a forced, um, awakening of sorts, you know, I, sometimes we don't want to awaken because we're so comfortable. Why do we want to do that? It's hard, you know, um, this, I didn't have a choice. So that in a way actually made it easier because I didn't have a choice. So once I surrendered, surrender is critical. If we can't mm -hmm. surrender, we aren't, we won't, you know, we can't move forward really. There has to be an element of surrender, just like in the hero's journey, just like in any, mm -hmm. listen to anybody who's had an awakening. There is always an element of humility and surrender, mm -hmm. surrender, humility, then something new can come in because we're cracked open. So what is that? What is that new thing? That's what we're, we open to and our spiritual practice is what reveals that. And yoga is known as the great revealer. Yoga is always revealing things to us. Things don't happen to us. They get revealed to us. It's really up yeah. to us to see them. So we got to slow down and tune in, and then we can actually see what's right in front of us. And that's what I did. Things were literally staring at me in the face like this. Well, and what people don't realize is this was after, like, after co like on the heels of COVID ending, and she closed her studio, and you were changing your whole life. Mm -hmm. And then this happened too. Yeah. So it's like, there was so much all at once, but I love what you shared. And I love the tools and the techniques that you talked about that you already had in order to do this. So I have to ask a question. Do you feel, did you send your breath to the period, to the places of pain in order to help ease the pain? Mm, good question. There's a lot of different ways to work with it. And I worked with many, many different ways of dealing with the pain. Breath work can actually be a distractor from the pain. So what happens in the pain cycle is we get hypersensitive. It's like, think of a water running down a small ditch. If that water, right, and it rains and rains and rains and rains, well, the water is going to be going 
into that crevice over and over and over. And that crevice and that ditch is gonna widen, widen, widen. And pretty soon you've got this big trough because the water is always eroding at that same place. This is exactly what happens with pain. The pain uh, nerve channel gets bigger, 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 gets more and more sensitive. Unfortunately, that's um. what happens. So it's not even that we're necessarily in more pain, we're actually becoming more sensitive to it. And so we experience it, even though we often are healing and getting better, maybe the pain feels the same. And it's so frustrating because we think we're not healing, but we mm. are, we absolutely are. What we need is a way to disrupt that pain cycle. We needed something to basically cut off the water from heading into that trough and redirect the water in a different nerve pathway because that one is hyperactive. So this is a very simplistic way of looking at it. And it's just one of the many things that happens in a pain cycle. But one of the most important things to do if you're experiencing either acute pain, which is like during the injury itself, and chronic pain, which is this vicious pain cycle is you need things that are going to redirect and and challenge that pain cycle so one thing you can do is distraction and i know that we're always saying be present be present be present however if you are focusing on the pain and let's say you're breathing into the pain what are we doing yeah we're focusing, focusing on, on the pain yeah and we're making it bigger and bigger and bigger so let me tell you a quick story. I was in the, yeah. I hate the dentist. And me this too. was probably 15 years ago. I got to the point where I literally couldn't even walk in the dentist door without sweating. And mm -hmm. I felt like I'm pretty good about managing my emotions and things, but I was shocked. I'm like, wow, you're really anxious about this. <laughs> and, and I was, I got to the point I could barely even walk through the door. So I got myself there. It was right in San Rafael. I got myself through the door. I sat down. And I started sweating. I'm like, this is, come on, you're a yogini, right? Then we start beating ourselves over the head and all that stuff, uh, having these very strange expectations of ourselves. So what I learned in the dentist chair is this. I was going through a root canal, right? One of the worst things you could go through. Right. And, and funny thing is, is this it's not funny. It's sad. I look at it as funny now. I'm sitting in the dentist chair. And for someone who's scared to go to the dentist, and who sits in that dentist chair, that is a huge victory, right? That is a huge, yeah. just me being there is a huge victory. Okay, but what happened next is that they put the Novocaine in, it worked for about 30 minutes to, to start scooping out some of the nerve in the root canal, it wore off. Oh no. And I was like, oh my God. And he's, cause you know, I'm wincing at the pain and he's like, oh, it's wearing off so early. I'm like, so they go in, they numb it again. That only worked for 15 minutes. So somewhere in the chain, that stuff ain't working anymore. And I was freaking out. And he said, well, we can't stop because we're in the middle of the procedure. Like oh, no. we literally cannot stop. I don't think I've ever been more scared in my life. I was already anxious about that. So I said, okay, what do I got in my back pocket? I got breath work, I got distraction. So this is what I did. I took my hand on my right thigh and I started tapping my thigh um, and breathing, not deeply, but just intentionally. So I could hear my breath. There's no way I'm taking a deep breath. I was literally hyperventilating yeah. in the chair. You can't force yourself to take a deep breath in those situations. So why force yourself, right? So I'm tapping my, my leg. I'm breathing in and I'm focusing on the tapping. The pain's here, but the tapping's down there on my leg. It's down in my legs. It's very grounding. And I just took all my might to focus on the tapping and the breathing. And that's it. And it worked. Wow. And from that point on, from that point on, I literally, Marilyn, I, I still to this day was, was shocked. But I had a little inkling that the breath and this tapping idea could work because when I gave birth to my daughter 20 years ago, um, anybody who's gone through birth knows it is the most excruciating pain. And 
I decided not, I didn't want to use any pain medication whatsoever. And I didn't, but it was ridiculously painful. And I had this spontaneous breath work happening while I was in labor in transition and this diversion of my mind to the pain that was happening in the pelvis and literally all over my body that that worked at that time as well. So I knew I had an inkling, I had, a, had a, a, an experience that that worked. Um, it wasn't just something that I just came up with, you know, in the yeah. moment. Um, so I, I, you know, I know that about pain. I know that that technique, that distraction does work. Another thing you can do if it's like a dull ache, if it's not uh, like that kind of wincing, sharp, burning type pain, because at that point you've got to just distract yourself. But if it's this dull ache, like I started experiencing later on as my ankle started to heal, that's when you breathe into it. That's mm -hmm. when you say, okay, I'm going to either place my hand or an ice pack or a heating pack, whatever I need. I'm going to give myself something to, that feels comforting um, because an aspect of pain is, you know, I don't deserve to feel good. Um, I deserve this pain. I deserve this discomfort. So it, it, you do need to look at that and you need to face it and say, I do deserve to be pain-free. I do deserve to be comfortable. I deserve to be healthy and, and, and mobile. And so some point you got to have to make that shift as well. And one way to do that is to give yourself something. So during this time when I was laid up, I gave myself more than I ever have in my entire life because I had time and I also, I didn't have a choice. And that was the way I healed. I gave myself like yummy teas. I let people bring stuff to me. Never let mm. myself, never let that happen. I had a stream of people dropping stuff off and being so kind and so giving, not wanting anything in return. It blew my mind, the generosity. So it, it, it made me realize that I was worthy and, you know, believe it or not, even just a year ago and still, you know, we have these things that are there in us as seeds, um, karmic seeds that will be with us our whole lifetime. Um, that kept being a strong reflection of my own self-worth, of my own self-care, of my yeah. own um, power to do that for myself and call that in. That's amazing. We're talking, I actually shared this on my personal page as well. We're talking with Sienna Smith. Um, you can check her out at SiennaSmith.com. And she has an incredible broadcast on breath work. What is the name of your podcast again? Just so I don't forget. It's called Breathe Better. And Be it's mm -hmm, on Apple, Spotify, all the major channels. It's also on my website, SiennaSmith.com under podcast. All the episodes are listed there. I actually Great. interviewed two of the top breathing experts in the world. I felt so lucky to, to talk with them on the podcast, Patrick McEwen and Anders Olson, um, both of whom collaborated on this book, one of my favorite books of all time, Breath by James Nestor, who I met and talked with in person for a half an hour. Amazing I know guy. I saw that story um, on your Facebook page. That was great. That was the guy you met in the tea shop, the tea store, right? Yes. Yeah. Which was just unbelievable. Yeah. So those guys have been on the front lines of breath for a long time. They've known things that is just now coming to the surface that they've been doing it for years. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things I want to share is one of the things that people get wrong. And I'll just give it to you now is, is they breathe too much. So oh, everyone says, yeah, everyone, almost everyone on the planet does it is there, there's a thing that people say and yoga teachers say it. And I still say it sometimes, but I mean something different than most people mean. Take a deep breath, that that's the way to calm yourself down. And if you ask James Nestor, Patrick McEwen, Anders Olson, these breathing experts, they will say, that is the wrong advice. That is the wrong advice. And the reason is most people, when they take a deep breath, they do it like this. Oh, yeah. You see what happened? Yeah. So if someone's stressed, and you say, just take a deep breath. What they did was they breathed into the upper chest 
they shrug their shoulders, they're tighten their neck, they breathe short and shallow, and they took in way too much air. What you really wanna do when you take a deep breath is to breathe deeply, deeply down. Deep means deep, like the deep end. So often people think deep means more, means take in a bunch of air. What happens when we, like one point I got scared to, to fly randomly. I just all of a sudden got anxious to fly. It was so strange. And what I found myself doing on the plane when I was anxious was this. Oh yeah, yeah, which is just right. I yeah. thought it was I thought I was breathing deeply because I was taking in a lot of air, but all I was doing, hyperventilating. Yeah. So what do they do on a plane when someone's hyperventilating? You breathe into a bag, don't you? Oh, that's right. So it's deep. Why yeah. do they breathe into a bag? If you're breathing into a bag, are you getting more or less oxygen? I would think less, right? But is it more? It's more. So what is it's it? Less. less. That's what it's I thought. Less. And it also elongates. So why, so, so why is that? So, so anybody who, you don't even have to understand the science. You don't even have to understand hardly anything I'm saying. Just to even realize that when you are breathing in a bag, you're filling it with carbon dioxide. Why mm. does that help you? I don't because, know. I want you to tell me. Because it's carbon dioxide that allows you to absorb oxygen. And when we're hyperventilating, like most of us are on a daily basis, on a daily basis, we're over breathing. We're breathing 12, 16 breaths a minute. What we should be breathing is six breaths a minute. We should be wow. slowing it down and breathing softly. But I guarantee if you were had a little uh, breath meter and it was on you all day, and actually there's some apps that track this now, which is fascinating, you would be breathing between 12 and 18 breaths a minute. That is a ridiculous amount of breathing. You are over breathing, you're taking too much air, you're taxing your nervous system. Because what happens when you breathe that much and that fast and that much air, you're always on sympathetic nervous system overdrive. You're always tapping the adrenaline. And it's just a habit we've gotten into. That's why it's so hard to slow the breath down because we feel like we're suffocating. So I, I'm, I talk a lot about this in my podcast and there's just, it's, it's, there's so much I could get into, but I will just say that Carbon dioxide therapy is actually a thing nowadays. It's a thing where when we slow the breath down, we're allowing the carbon dioxide actually to build up. And it's carbon dioxide that opens our blood vessels, improves, that lowers our blood pressure, improves our ability, our heart's ability to pump blood, oxygenated blood through our entire body. And CO2 also opens our airways, not oxygen. So hyperventilation is a, a chronic epidemic in the world, and it's been slowly building over time. What about asthma? What happens with asthma? You can't. It's Short, harsh. shallow breaths, and then they use steroids, and then that starts a vicious, vicious cycle. It really does, because I had it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so what can we do? This is the thing, is that... No, a lot of uh, medical field doesn't do um, a lot of breath recommendation because the pharmaceutical companies cannot make money off of it. And I hate to say right. it, but they are not out there for our, our best interest. They're out there to get you hooked on steroids and other medications. Totally. Uh, anxiety drugs. What do anxious people do? Short, shallow, fast breathing. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that sick people have in common. And I'm not saying sick, you know, but, but if you, if you, if you have a lot of anxiety, if you have asthma, there's, there's a sickness there, you know, we're, we're ill on some level. So what do all of those people have in common? That's how they breathe. Yeah. It's a short, shallow Correct. across the board. So totally. at minimum, we know for sure that changing the breath is going to help all of those conditions at minimum they are going to help. How much? For most people, they're going to help a lot. 
why don't more people do it? Because it's not the fast track. It's not a pill. It's not someone outside of you telling you, you're gonna take this, you're gonna feel better tomorrow. No, it's a practice. And a well, practice takes discipline. It takes the right teacher. Um, it takes the right you know, amount of doing it, technique. So, but everybody can do it and everyone can make progress and it doesn't have to take a lot of time for you to start feeling the effects, right? You know, you will feel the effects, but it does take time. Well, I think what's interesting is there's not an awareness around it because, so I want to ask you a real quick question. And that's what you're doing is making people aware through your podcast, through your teaching, Sienna Smith, for those of you who are listening now, she's an incredible yoga teacher. She does physical therapy. She's just, she's the one I got certified in my, I only do it for my own self. I'm not a yoga teacher. Um, that takes years of practice in my opinion, but here's my question to you, Sienna. There's a couple of questions I have in here. So I'll start with the first one. In yoga, I've, I can guarantee you I'm doing 16 to 18 breaths for sure, if not more. In yoga, I slow down my breathing a lot and I'm using Ujjayi breath and I'm moving it into my body and stuff. Is How do you equate that to walking? I know it's not closing down your throat, but how can you get someone to bring consciousness to their everyday waking life? Is that the proper, I know you wouldn't want to close down your throat. What would be the proper breathing technique you would say someone to start with? How could you start bringing consciousness to it like yeah. right away so that you're starting to just slow down with your breath? Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me because I have anxiety at times too. I used to have asthma. I had an asthma attack in a car and the girl I was with had it. And she said deep breaths because I was in that panic state. And then I luckily went to the right kind of uh, acupuncture. She said, stop using the inhaler. You're doing more damage. And I stopped. I don't have asthma attacks anymore. Yeah. At all. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I agree with what you're saying, but how can we get to where you're saying, I know you have so much that everybody definitely go check out her podcast, um, Breathe yeah. Better. But so what would you say about that? There's two things. There's things you do on the mat and there's things you do off the mat. Both okay. are really important. So when someone comes, especially if they come and see me privately and I have a lot of private clients and I teach them both things, we look at both aspects because they're important. On the mat, I would recommend not even starting with ujjayi. So you used ujjayi breath. That's for someone who has had a training, who has background in yoga, who is familiar with breathing because exactly what you said. It starts to close down the throat a little bit, narrows the breathing passage so that you, and the reason it does that is how much breathing can you do in a, a, a tube this wide? You know, you're going to yeah, take in a ton of air. How much can you do in a tube this wide, right? It's going to lengthen the breath. Yeah. So when you narrow the aperture, you have the, the opportunity to lengthen the breath wonderful because lengthening the breath is going to allow you to breathe slower you're going to take fewer breaths per minute so ujjayi during practice is a good way to do that however most people do ujjayi wrong most people do ujjayi loud and they breathe way too much air and this is adding to that high feeling that hyperventilation feeling in yoga and we're addicted to it. And all yeah. we're doing is training more over breathing, which is exactly what we don't need. We're staying in that fight or flight. We're staying in that sympathetic. And I'm telling you, it's a high. People yes, are addicted. However, it's not good for our nervous system. It is burning out our adrenals. It is messing up our hormones. It is messing up our sleep. It's screwing up our digestion all of these things are happening and it, we don't feel it until it manifests into some physical thing. Then we finally feel it and we go, wow, how did I get here? It's been, we've been on that train a while. So in yoga, when you're on your mat, sure, you could do ujjayi, but make sure you're not over breathing. So it shouldn't sound like this. Yeah. You shouldn't sound like Darth Vader at all. Nobody should hear you breathing on your mat. I don't care if the person's right next to you. If you're doing ujjayi and that person hears you breathing, you're doing it too much. 
So that's how you know. The ujjayi should be so soft and so subtle that only you can hear it. And you can, can I, do it I have to stop you there. Right? Yeah, no, I was just doing it. But what's fascinating is in yoga classes, this is why you have to get with the right teacher. I am going to say this over and over again because I've had so many teachers. People in yoga teachers are like, do you hear all that breathing? It's amazing. So some people teach the opposite. I know. And it. I'm agreeing with you because I'm starting to go deeper into my practice again. And the breathing is really, I agree with everything you're saying because I have nervousness. I have anxiety at times. So this is like such an awakening. Like everything you're saying is so amazing. So yeah. keep going. How, how do the enlightened ones breathe? I don't know. How did they breathe? The, all the enlightened ones, everyone who's obtained any a semblance of transcendence or peace. They breathe. You cannot hear. You cannot see them breathing. They mm. breathe like a Buddha. So soft. So subtle. So sublime. We're, we're far from that. But we can emulate that. We can take that as a cue of, are they breathing like, no, they might do breath practices like that, but that's a whole nother topic. But on a day-to-day -day basis, they certainly are not breathing like that. So let's go to off the mat. What can you do off the yes. mat? So many amazing things you can do off the mat. One of the, so out of all the hundreds of thousands of people I've taught breath and yoga to, the one thing that people say that has helped them the most is what's called measured breathing. It's also called cadence mm -hmm. breathing. In yoga, the term is samavritti breathing. This is the steady, even breath. So if you learn nothing else in breathing, and it's like the first breath that I start with in my course, and I'm starting a, a new cohort at the end of this month where they get led through six weeks I have all the, I have um, online videos and then I lead them through once a week live. So there's self-paced um, coursework, there's breathing room sessions, and then there's live sessions and it's six and weeks. That's on and your you website? Get everything, yeah, everything you need to know about breathing for the rest of your life is in that course. You will not have to take another breath, breath course your entire life. And you have lifetime access to all the material. You learn 18 breathing techniques and you learn all the reasons why you want to breathe certain ways. So you literally become your own expert in breathing and you don't have to listen to anyone else anymore because all the research is there and backs it up. So let me ask you just, a question just because the podcast will come out and it'll be evergreen. And I want to make sure you're doing it on September 29th. I'll try to push up 20, podcast. Yeah, 26, but I have an ongoing breath course that self -paced. that's what I want to join. Know. Yeah, you can join it anytime. You can sign up right. for the breath course. You can start it today if you want. Anytime. Cool. I also have a few people that are, I'm leading through it one-on-one. -on -one. So what mm -hmm. I do is they sign up for the breath course. They self-pace themselves through the course. And then they touch in with me. So I have someone who has COPD, someone who has emphysema, someone who has asthma, and they just feel like they want a little bit more personal um, attention through the process. So I'm walking them through the process. So I also do that. Yeah. That's, so that's great. Back to this off the mat thing. If you, if you learn nothing at all, but this one breathing technique, this would be it. This would be it. It's called the perfect breath. James Nestor mentions it. Patrick McEwen mentions it. Everyone mentions it. Um, but people forget it. It's so simple. Why do we think it has to be so complicated? That's just us getting our, in, our, in the way of ourselves. So it can be this simple. Inhale five, exhale five, or mm. inhale six, exhale six. Somewhere in that range, they say, the research shows 5.5 seconds, inhale 5.5 second exhale. So I just say either a five count or a six count. So it would look like this. Close your eyes, breathe in one, two, three, four, five, out five, four, three, two, one, 
simple. I'm telling you that's hard. No, I it's agree hard. With it's hard because we don't breathe that way. We get distracted. Our breath becomes erratic. At some point we'll feel like we're not getting enough air. We breathe a lot in the beginning and we run out of space. We exhale a bunch out and then we're waiting there. It's this dysfunctional breathing that has been wired into our brain and then into our body that is causing this simple breathing to feel difficult and uncomfortable, but it's the very remedy that will get us back there. So for instance, I'm working with a woman that has COPD and three count stretches her. So that's where we're starting. Inhale three, exhale three. She has a slight pause at the end of her exhale. So we honor that. So we do a three count in, three count X, and then a, a one second pause. And then we start again. And if she can get through just 10 of those breaths, her heart rate goes down, her nervous system starts regulating. She drops from a sympathetic nervous system to a parasympathetic nervous system. She's toning her vagus nerve, which is the wandering nerve that goes to so all of the organs in our body. She's allowing her mind to slow down. So much is happening in those 10 breaths that are incredible for every single layer of her being that she's literally transformed in 10 breaths. So how long does that take us? Two, three minutes out of our day. Can we, can we do that? every morning or can we do that before we go to sleep what's the number one thing right now that people are experiencing when they sleep sleep apnea they mm -hmm. stop breathing when they sleep snoring those are all breathing pattern disorders snoring sleep apnea etc now those are things that we'd want to look at and i discussed in the breathing course as well to modify some of the breathing practices right? If we stop breathing at night, a lot of us don't even know that we do. We're also breathing short, shallow, and, and high when we're sleeping. That's six to eight hours of dysfunctional breathing. No wonder we're waking up when we're not rested. That's we're just amazing. tired. Yeah. yeah. So what if you did every night before bed, you sat in bed and you did your Samavriti breathing, your cadence breathing, if you did that every night for one year, you are starting to rewire good breathing during your sleep time. What if when you woke up, you were doing two to three minutes of cadence breathing? You're wiring good breathing for your entire day. It will absolutely start making its way into your daily breathing rhythm into your unconscious breathing, because most of us, right, we're just breathing unconsciously. It happens automatically. So it's only when we make the breath conscious that we can rewire it. We make it conscious, we do the rewiring work, we let go, we go back the next day, we make the breath conscious, we do the work, we let go, and we trust that this is making a difference. One drop in the bucket at a time. When you have a drop in the bucket, it doesn't go anywhere. But can you see that drop in the bucket? You can't see the water level rise. You see the drop. I know I put a drop in there, but I don't see the water rising. It's not until the 200th, 300th drop where you're like, oh my God, I got a whole bucket of water. Yeah. So that's the thing about practice. That's how this is. And we've become really impatient and insensitive to, you know, these subtle practices that are so, so, so critical um, to keeping us off pharmaceuticals, to keeping us out of the, the operating room, to keeping us on the planet in a really calm, collected way. So we're having uh, our, you know, our own power back so yes. so many things that the breath can do for us right and our yoga practice as well i have so many questions for you but we're going to run out of time so i may have to have you back but i have um mm. 
one more question before we go and stop the Facebook Live and then go into the Q&A with members. Um, do you believe that if you are diagnosed with a condition that may supposedly be uncurable, whatever, we're not going to get into, you know, that's why the air quotes are there, that your breath can heal that ailment, depending on what it is, right? I'm doing a broad spectrum ailment thing, but do you believe that your breath can heal what you're struggling with or what you're suffering with? You pretty much have said it can, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are behind that. Here's the first thought that popped into my head here. Are we looking at quantity of life or are we looking at quality of life? What's important? So we have an ailment. It might be terminal. We don't know. All I know is, and we never know, tomorrow something could happen to me. We don't know. What's important is the quality of our life. What makes our quality of our life? Our health, our presence. How do we get that? We have no idea how long any of us are gonna live. Even somebody with a terminal disease, they could mm. outlive me. Mm -hmm. So I don't focus on that. I don't focus on the condition necessarily. I focus on what is my quality of life right now? How can I make that better? Breath always makes it better. Everything that. else is temporary. If I go out and have a beer, that's temporary. Well, I feel that good after later. Um, you know, if I have that nice juicy, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, ice cream, it, 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 it's what, what are the things that are going to improve, really literally improve the quality of your life on all levels? Where are you going to spend your time, effort, and energy? I want to spend my time, effort, and energy on things that really penetrate all levels of my being and improve the quality of my life right now, because there are absolutely no guarantees. And I will tell you the deeper and deeper you go in with the breath, the more you don't care about dying. You actually come to terms with the eternal nature of our own being, that the breath is always trying to teach us that we are so much more than these physical bodies. The, that, the, that's the magic of the breath. You could get to the, you could go to the breath for physical healing, for help with asthma, um, help with COPD. But what you can find is so much more than that is the internal nature of your being and, and whatever illness you're facing is then much smaller of the picture. And then what grows is this whole other thing, your connection with who you really are. And in the end, that's, that's really the true gift of breathing is your essence, discovering that. I love that answer because um, one of the things when I, you know, I teach people how to communicate with their guides and the biggest part is to breathe with them. So it's like, that's a connection and I'm not going to get into, but I just love how you answered that. And I also feel it's a perfect answer. So I'm not even going to touch it. My last question, because I do have to ask it. Do you have a second? Do you have a few minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. I have a meeting, but I just told them I'll be late. What made you because you have so many passions, Sienna, and you're trained in so many areas. And if you're interested in learning more about Sienna, go to SiennaSmith.com. She's a, going to be a teacher. She's doing a class for membership and as well, she has her own classes. So please do go check her out. What made you so passionate about breath? It started when I was giving birth to my daughter and did some spontaneous pranayama I didn't even know existed 20 years ago. From that moment on, it got me through that pain and empowered me like nothing I'd ever experienced before. I realized my own power in that moment. And of course, the birth experience is extremely powerful. But since then, I breathed through that dentist chair experience. I breathed through a freeway car accident where I was in the middle of the road with, you know, neck uh, strain and everything else going on during that accident, stress and trauma. I breathed through a divorce. Mm. I use the breath so many times that I, I just, it's, it just works. I know, I know on every cell of my being that it works. And then it made me inspired to really teach it to others. 
um, to help them. So that's how I got into it. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything you want to share before I stop the Facebook Live and then we're going to just go to the members and see if they have any questions? Sure. Um, just that I do have a lot of passions, but they are all around yoga and breathing, basically. And bringing in the physical is important. That's why I became a physical therapy aide. It is important to take care of our body. Bringing in the breath brings in our life force. And then bringing in the meditation aspects brings us to that stillness that we need. So all those aspects are included in my classes, in my workshops, and my retreats. I'm also leading a retreat in Costa Rica. I just bought a retreat center with my partner, Jason, in Costa Rica. And it's glorious, glorious, glorious. And I can't wait to lead retreats and trainings down there as well. So hopefully I'll see uh, some of you there. Definitely. So um, everything's on your website. You do virtual as well as in person. So it doesn't matter where people live because I have a students, clients all over. So that's great. And you can find it on SiennaSmith.com. Thank you yeah. so much, Sienna. All right. Thanks. I'm gonna Thank you for having me, Marilyn. You're welcome. So just hang out because I'm going to stop the live stream, which I did. Um, that was amazing. Thank you. This is still being recorded on the podcast. Um, okay. So it does anybody in membership have any questions for Sienna? Let me know right now. Um, that was in Sienna, beautiful. And that answer, I'm so glad I asked that question about the healing because I'm going through something right now. And uh, at the time of this recording, I like to say that. Um, and that was just such a beautiful answer. So thank you so much for that, the quality of life. Yeah, yeah. So it's so important, the quality of life. And we kind of miss that sometimes when we get a diagnosis or we're dealing with an acute situation, um, whether we are or someone that we love is going through something. Um, we can lose sight of the preciousness of the moment of being here right now and making the most of it, you know, um, yeah, I think that is really critical. And the breathing, you know, as soon as I, so what I do is I take breathing breaks throughout my day whenever I can. And they might be one minute, two minutes, three minutes long. And that's all I need because as soon as I start breathing that way, the memory comes up of who I really am. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. gosh, I was getting really caught up over here, mm -hmm. um, you know, in this role or in this dynamic or in this drama. And I just remembered who I am. That's wonderful. Now I don't have to go play out this whole thing that I was going to. I can actually return to myself and the quality of my life just got so much bigger in that moment. So the breath is the great reminder you know, of, of that for me. Has it changed how you teach yoga since you've been doing so much more? I know you've been doing breath work for all these years, but like you said, you're, so it's changing how you're teaching. Yeah, I would say that um, the PT has changed the way I'm teaching yoga. Mm. Um, although everything that I taught in my trainings is all still very, very good and relevant. I still teach all of those spirals and the loops and all of those are mm -hmm. just so wonderful. And what I've added is, things that can support us to feel those more. And so I use resistance bands because sometimes people have a hard time engaging certain areas. They're just numb, they're dead. And if you don't have an entire 200 hours to learn how to do that, muscle energy yeah. and other things, right? This is a quick way for the body to be like, oh, I've got some resistance. I've got these resistance bands or I'm using the strap in this way. I'm using the blocks in this way. Oh my gosh. Now I get it. So it's kind of a fast track to getting the body online and getting the body balanced. So that's kind of what's changed is me opening up to all these different techniques and infusing them in the yoga practice and have it still be yoga, have it still be that deep yoga practice, not just purely physical. So weaving in the breath work, weaving in, uh, like we are learning a new chant right now. Um, so that's fun to, to bring in the chanting mm -hmm. and the spiritual aspect of people connecting to the consciousness in their heart, the light of consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the meditations at the end, those kinds of things. So that's how to bring all those yeah. pieces together, that's what I'm doing. We have a question. Because of you, um, 
I bought the mantra book that you suggested. I've been doing a mantra for 40 days and then 40 days again. I have my beads that you gave me at graduation. So it's been such a beautiful, beautiful practice that I brought in. So thank you for that. So Dashka yeah. asked, could you, I think she did, but could you please recommend one breath technique I could use to share with, she's a healer and a nurse as well. I could use to share with people when they are in a situation that they feel anxious, fearful, tearful, and are scared. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, that's a really good question. Um, and as a nurse, thank you for bringing in the breath work because that's a field that not only the patients can use that breathing, but the nurses can use that breathing. I mean, I 12 hour days, I, it, it's rough you know, it's rough. So you need something that can help you too. And what I would say to that is it's different. If someone is stressed and anxious, if you tell them to focus on their breath, it's going to be difficult for them. Mm. It's just going to probably make them more anxious. And what they need is a, um, a, a like somatic experience. Um, because when you're anxious, you're like out of your body, right? Mm. It's Where'd you go? Um, and that's what makes it so unstable. And that's why people get dizzy also when they're anxious. So the, one of the best things to ground them is touch their feet, have mm -hmm. them feel their feet. If you can't touch their feet, have them put their hand on their belly. So if, if you're a nurse and someone's in the bed, you can touch their feet because that's very non-invasive right that's down the feet that's not you know it's, yeah. it's very safe and then have them breathe with them thinking about their feet don't think about the breath just oh, have them breathe like down to their feet so breathe and think about your feet because if they're up and out feeling their feet is going to bring their energy down and if you have one hand on their foot, it's so grounding and comforting. It's very strange, right? If you've ever had somebody like in Shavasana or someone ever place their hand on their, on your foot, it's, it's very grounding. I love so it. if they're in that acute anxious state, that's what I would say. Just don't have them breathe any particular way. Just send the breath to the feet touch the feet or have them bring their hand onto their belly and feel their hand on their belly. Don't even have them focus on the breath. Just say, feel the belly move when you breathe. You're focusing on the movement of the belly, not the breath. So that's a way around getting them out of that. I'm suffocating. I can't get enough air. You got to bring the attention down. Okay. So that's that. If someone is not necessarily anxious, but they want a breathing technique that's going to work for general health and well-being, and that's applicable to pretty much everybody on the planet can do this, then you would teach that one that I mentioned earlier, which is the cadence breathing or the sama vritti breathing. Sama yes. means same, vritti means fluctuation, same fluctuation. The inhale and the exhale are the same. You're not going for a 10-second breath here. We don't need to hyperventilate and get challenged and feel suffocated. Like I said, I was teaching a three second breath to my COPD friend, and that was great. That was actually a long breath for her. So that was challenging, but it was right in the pocket. So inhale three, exhale three. You could teach that to someone who's anxious, but sometimes I, like I said, focusing on the breath is just going to be too much for them. But in general, do the cadence breathing, measured breathing. Do it in your car, you can do it in your bed, you can do it at your desk. No one's gonna see you, you're doing it at your desk, at work or whatever. Close your eyes, breathe in for four, breathe out for four. I've even done this where um, I was talking to my partner the other day and um, we were having a conversation that was sensitive. And I thought to myself, well, Sienna, this is a really good time to use my breathing. And he couldn't tell I was doing it, but I'm telling you, Thank God I was doing it because I may have said something that I regretted later, but this helped mm -hmm. me stay, stay calm, stay quiet and really listen, listen to myself and listen mm -hmm. to him and breathe in. And I, I did a count of four, you know, but I'd count to myself as he was sharing, 
count as inhale, one, two, three, four, out, four, three, two, one. I only had to count twice before my breath was doing it, right? Because I've trained myself that way. But it's a great technique and you can do it anywhere. That's great. I, I love that, that answer. Helps. Oh, I think that helped all of us, it, it, not only Dashka, which is great. So um, thank you so much, Sienna, for everybody who's listening. Sienna is teaching a class in Membership for Your Soul, and it's around breath work. We don't have the title right now. It comes out in October, but it's evergreen. So definitely come check that out. Definitely learn. You can learn more about Sienna at SiennaSmith.com. And we will also have her website in the show notes and check out her breathing, breathing classes because I think everybody can benefit from right that right now, especially in this time in this world and how people are feeling the effects of everything in their lives. And uh, Sienna, thank, and she does online as well as in person. Thank you so yes, much. That was so I have, incredible. Thank you. Yeah, I have clients well, in England and Italy and India and all over. So wherever you are, we can do that online as well. Thanks for having me, Marilyn. I love oh the work that you're doing and just being a leader and putting yourself out there so vulnerably, so fully and being an example for all of us. Um, it's truly a, a beautiful thing to watch and witness and be part of. So thanks for having me. Yeah, this was so educational. I can't thank you enough. And I'm going to do more work with my own breath. So thank you, honey. Great. I'll be in touch right. and hope to see one of your classes real soon. <laughs> Yeah. Bye guys. Wonderful. Okay. Take care everyone. Thanks. Bye.